no matter how many laps he does, his last lap would always be his best one. And Dennis did some work with him up in the Old Vic there recently, was it? Yeah, he got up to him on Monday. Now, I, I, I'm hoping he's spot on. I'm a bit afraid that he might just need another gallop, but I think he's best when he needs another gallop. That so, little bit fresh. He was very happy with him Monday. He could hardly pull him up. He was nearly on the road and he pulled him up. So all things being equal, that you're going to get a clear run at the race and he jumps around well. Uh, what are your aspirations? Well, I'm hoping for a win. <laughs> That's it. And uh, look, at, I'm hoping he just has luck in running and everything goes to plan with him. And look, at that, that basically, if you haven't got luck, you've nothing. One man who won't want this season to end is Danny Mullins. He already has a King George and a Stayers Hurdle victory in his back pocket and he partners Pat Fahey's Mr Fogpatches in Monday's feature. The eight-year-old is a doer stayer and he gets into the race with a lovely racing weight. Some of his form through the winter really points to him having a good chance in the Irish National. If you're looking back at his third place in the Tritown chase behind Run Wild Fred, then go on to the Tiestes and Gorn. He's just behind Longhouse Poet, who ran a great race in the Aintree National. I think trip will be no issue. He seems fairly versatile with ground and, and getting in here off that lightweight. I think he could run a big race for Pat Fahey. Willie Mullins won the Irish Grand National with Burroughs Saint back in 2019 and this year Mullins is double-handed with Franco de Port and Galar Dumenil and he first spoke about the chances of Franco de Port. The day he doesn't make a mistake, he's probably going to win a big one. You know, he just seems to be coming into a race nicely and then loses a half a length or a length at the crucial point over the second or third last. If he gets around Ferry House, he's going to be a big, big threat in that race. And then uh, Galar de Mesna ran a cracker in Cheltenham and uh, he, if he follows up from that, he's going to be a big player there, I think, too. He's going to be a little inexperienced going there, but you know he's a nice weight, and I think he'll handle the track. So uh, you need a lot of luck in the Irish National. I mean, they talk about the international. We find the Irish National uh, as hard, if not harder, whatever it is about it. It's a tough race to win. Aidan Murphy, and of course, as always, we have Ollie Colgan from Roscommon LGFA. Hello, Ollie. How are you? Are you well? Hi, Aidan. How's things? All good now? That's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, I suppose in the last mo- in the last couple of weeks, we went from the uh, the highs of the girls winning um, winning Division Two with uh, Division Three of the National Football League, which sets them up for uh, Division Two football next week. And uh, but now the girls have to kind of park that on Ollie Lennon, and they have to uh, look forward to the championship now. A very a very interesting Connacht uh, championship campaign ahead, and that starts this uh, this Sunday. Yeah, look at it, a, a great, great excitement, as you say, great celebrations. Uh, that's all part now. They went back to training last week, the last week. And, uh, but important, as we said in the last meeting, it's important to, to, to celebrate these events. And it's a big thing to get promoted to Division 2. But yeah, it's look, with the congested seasons now, with county and club being split, it leaves no room. In the old days, you'd probably have six weeks off before your championship match. But now you only have literally a couple of weeks. So... But it's good because momentum is high and squad is going well and they'll be looking for their, I know they've been talking to a few of them and they're looking forward to Friday night's opener against Leeds from now. They're missing a few, but that'll look at that'll test the panel and that's the way it goes and they'll be confident of, of keeping this good form going and uh, they may use the kind of championship for an opportunity to try out a few players, but they have to be careful as well because the seeding, the, the provincial system is, uh, if you win your provincial championship, you get seeded in the All-Ireland draw and that's, that's, the main, that's the main priority now in the next couple of weeks. That's it. So we start off our we start off, I suppose, in a very important fixture this this weekend. Tell us about that. 
yeah, it's Saturday, Friday night, 6 o'clock in Ballantubber, St. Crohn's GA grounds. They play Leitrim in the first round of the um, Connacht Championship of 2022. And then the following week, they play Sligo. So, and depending on how they get on, then hopefully they'll be in a final against one of the two of them. Uh, so it'll all over, be over in the next three to four weeks. And as I said earlier, that's it, the, 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 obviously everyone wants to win a Connacht medal. And there was no, they didn't, they got beaten by Leitrim in the final last winter in the kind of the, 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 it was held as a, a second kind of gesture championship but this one is much more important as, as I said it leads to the seeding the, the winner of each provincial championship are seeded in the All-Ireland draw which means they can't meet each other so that's very important you could be avoiding the likes of Tipperary and Munster um, Kildare maybe in or Wexford in in, in in Leinster and possibly the likes of uh, Antrim or that, Fermanagh in, in Ulster. Teams that, that will probably feature in the last four that five of the All-Ireland. And so if you, you can take an opportunity to avoid them in a group, it's great. So um, that's the game, Friday night, 6 o'clock in Crohn's, and uh, hopefully we'll get off to a winning start. That's it. And I suppose historically, like, like you just said, this time last year, um, you know, they were un- unlucky to, to lose to Leitrim. Um, in that in that particular fixture, but um, I suppose in fairness, when when you look at them now compared to back then, they're they're in a, a much better place now. They're uh, they've learned an awful lot more. They've gelled more as a team. Um, they have the confidence boost of having won the national league. So I, I suppose you know they they couldn't be any better prepared going into this game. A, a, a lot of positives, but they still won't be able to even despite all those improvements and all those positive things. They still can't. Can't, uh, they still can't take this Leitrim team for granted. I mean, this is a Leitrim team, as you said there, they, they bet them uh, the last time they met. So um, they're, they're, they're coming, I suppose you could say, should, should win, the, win the game. But um, this, the, this, uh, this Leitrim team won't make it easy for them. No, and, and you're right. You're right. Roscommon on paper should win it. They're the Division 3 champions. Leitrim now did get to the Division 4 semi-final and awfully beat them in the semi-final. Uh, but they are a, they are a, a young up and coming side as well. They're trying to they had a, they had their own problems there a couple of years ago, and they were in trouble of going out of nearly extinction. They, they couldn't get there was a big internal row with the clubs in the county, but they've sorted all that out now. And uh, they're they're they have a new bunch of players, and they're together now. Last year and this year, and they they, they, they that was a great boost for them to win a kind of championship last year. But as you say, Roscommon is in a much better place than where last year. Camp wasn't in great mood, wasn't great. Things weren't going. They were fighting relegation. All of that kind of leads to pressure, added pressure. Whereas now it's they're completely opposite end. The promotion secured. They have a kind of a free run of this kind of championship, and I don't mean that lightly. If if it doesn't work out, it's still there. They still have the All Ireland, and the All Ireland is the big one now. Whether anyone says obviously they want to win a provincial championship, but uh, um, not these girls. These girls wouldn't have a, an intermediate senior uh, kind of championship medal, but. Uh, a lot of them do so, but it's all about the All Ireland now, and uh, they'll treat religion with utmost respect. And I can't see Roscommon getting caught, but I don't make those bold predictions too often. Uh, and also, it's a home venue, so you know, the, the squad has improved as you say, it's matured. Younger girls are getting more experienced the whole time, and the management and that gel is there. And uh, put it this way, it'll be a big shock if they don't win it in. Yeah, and of course it, it's uh, it, it'll be great uh, to see them because I I think that that is key 
to to the championship is a is a win and start to the campaign, especially when you consider their next game is against Sligo, who have they've Roscommon in the past have found it very hard um, in the past against against the Sligo team. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's crucial. And look at this; it's, it's not being disrespectful to to, to Leitrim either, but uh, Sligo are a Division Three team and. You know, on paper they're better, but now the Sligo are a funny outfit because sometimes we can we can we can hammer them. We hammered them in the kind of championship last year. We hammered them in the league this year, and then they turn around in the pieces in the championship last year. But again, how much of that is down to the circumstances last year? We don't know, and that's sport. That's the beauty of sport. So we don't know. But on paper, Roscommon are favourites for the kind of championship. But we'll go to the old cliche: take it one game at a time get two points on the board or three points on the board against Leitrim. And uh, if they beat Sligo, then they'll, they'll, it'll be it'll be just a final. They'll be looking forward to then and let Sligo and Leitrim battle it out to play them again or whatever. So, yeah, no, concentration is the name of the game. No rest. No, Don't take the foot off the gas. Go out there and play Leitrim as if it was Wexford or playing like in the league final and treat them the same and uh, hopefully they'll come out with the points. And I suppose in in last week's on last last week's um, podcast we've seen uh, we were saying about um, you know obviously that the league is part and we, we we all know that you know the kind of starting fifteen that has been there um, th- throughout the league but we were saying like you know the championship is a different beast and we're kind of saying about uh, with that in mind that maybe you know what changes will be made to the starting fifteen ahead of the the championship or for this game against Leitrim. I'd expect four or five changes, if not six. Uh, in some of them are enforced. Uh, Ashley yeah. Hanley picked up an injury in the league final, so she's out. Jenny Higgins is on. Jenny Higgins is on honeymoon. Uh, Caroline Conway is, is not available. So there's three straight away anyway, and uh, I would expect another couple of changes uh, along with that. I'd, I'd expect four to five changes, and but the the nine or ten that will still be there to to. You don't want too many changes, but at the same time, you have yeah. to test your squad. So I'd imagine a few might come in. Um, I'd say Sarah McVay might start in the back line. She was a, a regular before she got injured there, and she came on as a sub in the league final. So he might use an opportunity to, to start her. He might use an opportunity to bring back in Megan Kelly. She missed the, the league final. Um, Kelly Colgan could start. She's going well with the club. Um, and I know that they're looking at a lot. Of, they were looking at a lot of club matches last weekend. So on up front, Natalie McHugh came back after a long-term injury in the league final as well. I'd expect her to start. Uh, but we don't know. We, I mean, you can't guess management teams nowadays. I mean, the old thing for, for us media people, they named the 15 and then it's nearly unrecognisable with all the changes before the, the, the start to throw in. So they did the same league final they named and three of the girls that were named didn't start. So I'd, I'd imagine something similar on Friday evening. And looking at uh, you, you just said there about Natalie McHugh returning to the returning to the squad. Obviously, you know a few training sessions, and of course this this game to, on Friday night. Um, you know this it'll be uh, she's a huge addition. It's great to, it's great to see her back in, in the fold, and maybe uh, a timely a timely arrival back for this for a game of this importance. Absolutely, look at an experienced player as well, which is important, and the scoring forward. Take that little pressure, bit of pressure, maybe off Laura Fleming and and Ashley Hanley and a few, you know, the the regular scorers. So, uh, look at Ashley has her career is unfortunately has been plagued with injury, and I think she's learned to, trying to learn to live with that. And 
but just no, just doesn't waver her enthusiasm and, and her willingness to, to perform. So look at hopefully she'll she'll she she get a, a run at, of games now and and whether she starts or doesn't start, she'll certainly be an asset to the squad. And as I said, um, she adds to the experience and and helps out with the younger girls and. Uh, that's a big plus. So it's been to see Ellen Irwin could possibly come back in on, 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 on Friday night as well. Ellen is an exceptional young talent and she was injured there for a while too. So there's loads of possibilities. But the main thing is it won't weaken the squad and that's that's or the team. That that's vitally important. Uh, you know, they're all chomping to get in. A lot of these girls want to get a game anyway. And, and when you have that enthusiasm and eagerness to get the first fifteen, it, it bodes well and uh, hopefully um, hopefully it'll bode well on Friday evening. And of course, um, the the one key thing in, in any match, I suppose, in the league, and it's probably been shown in the league, and uh, now ahead of the championship, uh, for a team to to succeed is the um, the the quality of the captain. And I think uh, you know this this most um, intermediate ladies team is fortunate enough to have um, a girl with great leadership skills, great experience as well. Uh, I suppose Laura Fleming uh, will, will be the woman there. What are your thoughts on the on the, the captaincy end of things and uh, the choice of captain? I think it's a correct decision and I think Laura should have been captain long before now, but that's neither here nor there. We won't go into the politics of it, but uh, Laura's an exceptional talent and always has been. And Like, you know, she's you nearly have to stop Laura training. I was, and she helped me out a number of occasions with underage teams and that She's an incredible interest in the game. She gives an awful lot back to the kids, and she trains very hard. She trains seven nights a week if you if you let her. So she's she's brilliant around it. She sets high standards, and that's very important. Uh, she a lot of younger girls look up to her. She you know it's 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 a, she'll she'll give you she'll give you a telling off if thing, if you're not putting in the effort and training and stuff like that. And uh, she's an exceptional captain, and she speaks up well and and and. With management, and she's a good link there between the management and the squad, and all that. So, and all, apart from all that, as you said, she she's a regular five six pointer a game, and that's that's huge. Like you can't take that out. You take that out of any team, you're in trouble. Like and uh, no, Laura is just an exceptional talent, and, and the correct decision to be captain and going down very well in the squad, and that's 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 very important. And nobody nobody would have any objection to Laura being captain, and no other player and. That's very important too. That means that she gets the respect from the rest of the squad. Yeah, and of course as well. That that's one thing about Laura as well. Um, is you know she she be kind of a calming influence on the younger players, the the players who who are in the squad, and not only in the squad but on the starting fifteen, um, where it's their first year. Uh, you know where they're kind of still finding their way. Now, obviously, they have experience under their belt uh, from from the league championship is a different beast. But uh, you know, maybe that bit of guidance that's needed for the for the younger players, the newer players. Um, you, you know, she she'd be there to kind of guide them and 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 have that calming presence which is needed in in the big games. Absolutely, I mean you summed it all up there. She is that sort of person, and when she sets high standards, she's still at the same time. Is, is protective, I think is the word you're looking at, and she'd look after yeah. the younger girls and she'd guide them and, and you know, with a pass and, and direction and there to hold him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, she's just all around, she's all around girl like. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much to for uh, taking the time out to Roscommon LGFA and we'll uh, we look back on this game uh, next week and uh, we'll talk about the upcoming game. So thanks very much, uh, Ollie, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Eden. No problem, thanks very much. And that's Ollie Colgan or, uh, from uh, Roscommon LGFA. Thanks 
Formula One view with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and as always, we have our Formula One expert, Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael. How are you? Are you well? I'm not too bad at all welcoming you, welcoming you all from the strawberry state. <laughs> in, indeed, the sunny southeast where, there's, where, where it never stops raining. Well, I don't know. We could use a bit of sun at the minute now, I have to. <laughs> if you want to push it this way, I wouldn't argue. Well, you know, a bit of sunshine and a bit of rain, that would help the strawberries, like. Oh, well, that's very true, I suppose. Yeah, they help me eat them, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you have to keep you have to keep them Formula One drivers uh, healthy, you know, uh, oh. with the... Yeah, keep, keep them regular, you mean, with the strawberries, if they eat enough of them? <laughs> well, this is it, this is it. So, uh, yeah, so on this week's episode, we're looking back on the uh, the Australian Grand Prix, which is uh, never short on uh, excitement and great racing, and I suppose the odd the odd controversy. So, uh, I suppose we we look we look back at that, and then we look ahead to next week. So. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Australian Grand Prix? Well, I mean, let's face it, so far this year we've had so much racing. It's been better than anything for the last five or six years, if you ask me. This is what Formula One should be. And uh, yeah. even Charles Leclerc, after winning the last race, or losing, I should say, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, said he thinks this is how every Formula One should be. And I agree with him, even after losing yeah. it. Well, we... We had, of course, a, a highly modified Australian Grand Prix in Albert Park. We really did. Uh, did it make a positive change or did it make uh, did it deliver uh, uh, bad changes, as they say? Well, Charles de Clare actually reckoned it didn't suit Ferrari at all, and Carlos Sainz agreed with him. Um, so we were kind of expecting um, a Red Bull weekend, shall we say, uh, more so than anything else. Well... The new layout itself had four DRS zones. We only got three on the day. There was a little bit of an issue with one of them, so we we, we let him away with that because four is a bit mad, as they say. And uh, on Saturday, uh, final practice actually saw both Aston Martins crash uh, and numerous drivers go off the track as they were trying to get used to the track i suppose to a certain extent but it was um there was a big crash shall we say in q3 with fernando alonso who was throwing his car around the track he he was amazing he was actually faster than anybody in sector one and sector two fernando was looking like he was heading for pole position but unfortunately he hit a slide off his car and straight a shunt into a wall which was uh I suppose, really, yeah, really significant in a few ways. Firstly, uh, Charles Leclerc got his run in, um, but his teammate, who was on a fast one, didn't. And they had some issues with his car on the day, so he didn't get to run uh, as much as he could have. And also George Russell um, didn't get in his lap either, clearly. <laughs> it was actually quite funny because we're doing the warm-up lap to go and do a, a a last stint is to say and Russell comes on on air saying Lewis is going very slow <laughs> yeah that's not something you hear that, that often now let's face it but um, when the red flag went away with Fernando Alonso I, I have to admit Ferrari's Charles Leclerc flew around the track and took his first Australian Grand Prix pole position since 2019 with uh a performance I don't think anybody saw coming. I don't think he saw it coming. Nobody yeah. did. And Max Verstappen most certainly did not see it coming. He lined up in second place for the grid all right. Um, I have to admit he did, a, he did a good job, but I think he really expected something more out of the car for the weekend. 
he expected, I think, exactly what Charles de Clare was saying. It's a red yeah. track. So was did it? was it what was it like? Was it the driver? Was it the car? Or was it somewhere in between? Or was well, I, I would I would actually put Charles de Clare and Max Verstappen on even pegging. They, they they've been fighting for years in in lower uh, lower car models, and now they're in F one. They're they're fighting like hell in F one, which is great to see. I would say both of them are of an equal ability. I would just say the Ferrari pipped the Red Bull on the day. Again, uh, absolutely nobody expected that. Uh, Ferrari are, are, are kind of gumming for the European circuits because there's more corners in them. And yeah. um, and they've even stated themselves that the Red Bull is better in a straight line than the Ferrari. And with this track being a lot faster as we said ourselves there's one chicane taken out and the cars are going around at 70 kilometers per hour faster than they were before so you know you would you would think that ferrari were going to be on the back foot here and and didn't get through it actually something i did notice maybe some other people did as well uh mercedes were suffering again from their porpoising uh, uh, effect which is kind of a bouncing up and down at high speeds and they showed a couple of camera shots now and it, it is it can be quite significant enough and they're kind of blaming that issue for their car not going well in sector three especially um but uh we were having a look in camera on the ferrari on the day too and it's having exactly the same issues on the Ferrari as in the Mercedes. And I'd say it's just, it's significant. It's not less. It's, it, it seems to be about the same for me. And for yeah. David Coulthard was saying it on air too, that it seems to be exactly the same effect. It's just the Ferrari drivers are just handling it better. Uh, once they slowed down, um, the attacking of the corners straight after that, that was the issue. Because you're so concentrating so much on the car bouncing around the place that... You know, it kind of it kind of attracts your attention from anything else. Just the Ferrari drivers didn't seem to have an issue with that. Well, uh, other than poor Carlos Sainz, but it wasn't an issue with that really. It was just it was just a dreadful day for him. I mean, with his technical issue and it was firing up the car was the was the problem really um, for Carlos. And 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 you know, I mean, Leclerc is definitely the prime driver in the team, so. You know, Carlos felt a bit hard done by, and I do feel sorry for him because he is a—he's an incredibly driver. But you know, it, it just didn't shake out for him on the day. It will—I'm—I'm I'm quite sure it will in the next race, but on the day, it just—it just didn't seem to shake out for him really uh, enough, I suppose. On to race day, got some good news for Melbourne. Some good news for Melbourne. Um, a spectacular turnout, largest capacity crowd they've ever had in the history of the Melbourne Grand Prix. That, that's amazing to see, really, Aiden. Isn't it? The people yeah. are back, you know. And, um, I mean, Red Bull, I noticed on, on, on the grid as well, were, were tweaking something on the nose of Max's car. <laughs> Probably hydraulics, I'd say. Uh, that's what it looked like, and there is quite a lot in that area. So, I mean, uh, you know, at the start of the race, there was kind of uh, a lot of, people crossing their fingers and hoping that <laughs> not very much is going to happen on the day to his car. Last thing you want to see is, is I, I don't mind if a driver makes a mistake and a car crashes, that's one thing, but I hate seeing cars break down because, you know, these, these guys are trying their hardest and the engineers are trying their hardest and, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking really when something like that takes you out. And it, it's, it's like that in every sport, I'm sure, Aiden. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, uh, 
It's like we say nearly every week. It's the fine margins that can win or lose you a race or win or you know, it could even affect your time in the qualifying, and and that could over that could uh, overall affect where, where how you get on the next. Uh, as as you made the point last week, it's uh, just because you 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 get you become you come first in the qualification uh, the day before doesn't mean you're actually going to win the race. So uh, you know if if it's the fine margins that can be the difference a in the time that you get, which dictates where you start off on the grid. And also, it could be the difference between coming first or coming coming third or fourth. Very, or very true. Yeah. yeah, very, very true. Uh, on race day itself, I mean, you know, even the way people lined up, Charles Leclerc, okay, he was in pole position with Max in second and Sergio in third. Carlos Sainz was ninth. Now, a lot of people were expecting a lot of argument from Carlos, i.e. he's going to be arguing with anybody in front of him. <laughs> And, but some drivers uh, like that are going to they're going to argue they nearly argue with themselves. Absolutely. Well, a Ferrari in ninth with the pace they have at the minute, I I I I got the distinct impression from Carlos he was annoyed. Um, he's a good driver and he's a good lad and he knows he's having a bad day. But I, I, I think you kind of get angry at yourself more than you get angry at anyone else. I do anyway. I, I'm sure every sportsman does. You know yourself. It's yeah. a bad day, but you don't want to be thinking about it. <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, a lot of people. You know, there are some people that kind of blame uh, blame someone else, but really, at the back of it all, like w- when you actually think through think through every element of what you do, like if you're if you're playing soccer or if you're playing Gaelic or hurling, you know, if you lose or if you have a bad performance, when when you actually analyze it down, yeah, where did you jo- like in hurling? It's it's a team sport. Yes. Uh, if the team loses, did you have to look at your own, yourself and your own performance? And was it something? Was I good enough? Where could I improve? And it's the same. Like I think it's the same for you know in the, in the Formula One. It's it's kind of synchronicity between both the driver and the the car. Is in like you know even the best drivers can have an off day. You no, know, Verstappen can have an off day. So, um. He has to look at himself. Not not being overly critical, but saying like, you know, where did things go wrong? How can I improve to ensure that this doesn't happen? And then then the engineers and the you know the mechanics have to look at the car and say, well, what do we need to do to the car to make sure that it doesn't happen again? So it's not just like one like some say say it's the driver, some say it's the car. But both the both the car and the driver have to be tuned in. No, oh, absolutely, and it doesn't matter how how big your team is. It, it yeah. doesn't matter how much money they're ploughing into us. You know, if somebody in the engineering team has had an off day and made a mistake, these things happen. If a driver has an off day and just can't get around the track. That happens too, you know. I mean, even in in Australia, you know, Carlos Sainz, he was in ninth. We were expecting to blast up there and be on the tail of the two. It's the driver then that gets the blame in that case, not the not the engineer. I'm saying sometimes it's it's one instead of you know the whole the whole team like both the engineers and the and the drivers and the car like you know you know. So I mean, one can't work without the other. No, very true. 
without the driver. The dri- the car the car won't work without the um the driver's dependent on the engineers. So it's kind of all three elements, you know, the statisticians, everything, they all they all everyone has to be tuned in. And yeah. you can't say blame one over the other. It's a, it has to be collectively like it's you know, in in, in a team sport, if the t- if uh, a team loses, you can't blame one or two. It's it's a team sport, so everyone lost. If you win together, you lose together. It's the same in Formula One, like. No, it is absolutely. There, 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 there's no no way around it at all. And I mean, if someone's having a bad day, I mean, these guys are hurtling around corners, inches away from each other, at nearly three hundred kilometers per hour. You know, you just need a tiny little, and it's gone. It's all in history, and and that's basically what happened to poor Carlos. I did feel sorry for him. He's a great, great, great driver, I have to admit. But I mean, he started in ninth, he bogged the car down, and lap two he came around at P fourteen, which was kind of no one could figure it out. Well, he was on hard tires; he was on the wrong tire immediately. It wasn't his choice, I don't think that one. And then he tried to pass. Um, Alfa Romeo's uh, Zoo Gunyu, I think you call it. I haven't heard that name enough. <laughs> I must have a listen to it the next time. He tried to go outside to turn nine. Now, Zoo wouldn't exactly be the fella who's going to give you a lot of space. And to be honest with you, he was a bit twitchy, uh, which made science spin out straight out into the gravel track on turn nine and, and have a safety car. And he beached himself. So he was going nowhere for the rest of the race. And I'm sure, you know, between having a problem starting the car, getting the car out, and suddenly, you know, Fernando Alonso crashes and the whole thing stops for a while. Uh, and then you're coming back out. You can't get your head back in it again like you should do. You know, he should have had uh, a, a good run before his fast run, and he didn't manage to get it. And then, of course, with this and you're in the wrong tyres, you can't get the car started. I mean, really, <laughs> you know, if someone had put a voodoo doll hex on him or something, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, normally one thing goes wrong, but everything else goes right after that, you know. So, I mean, yeah. there's not much you can do about it, I suppose, to a certain extent. The the, the safety car that did come out, actually, um, the virtual safety car um, for science really made it interesting because... Um, Charles Leclerc, of course, was in the lead with Max Verstappen right on top of him. Now, the last person you want behind you, if you ask me, is Max Verstappen. And, of course, Lewis Hamilton was behind Max. Okay, the Mercedes is not going to stay ahead of a Red Bull and a Ferrari. It just isn't. It's not going to. But, you know, he can throw a spanner in. It works for four or five laps, definitely, and, and make things different, you know. And he was trying to tow behind Max Verstappen as well and I mean the second they came out of that uh, and Charles Leclerc who was officially the safety car for the last quarter of the lap uh, dropped the hammer it it was absolutely incredible he controlled it very very well he didn't get the best start in the world but he did just keep it going the whole time he managed just to stay ahead of Verstappen and actually the man that made the the most impression was Sergio Perez because um, Basically, he went straight around Hamilton later on and on turn three for P3. An amazing driver as well. You know, it's 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 great to see it. I, I did feel sorry again for Lando Norris because he had qualified uh, fifth ahead of Hamilton. But he just, between safety cars and things, that he wasn't having a good day either. He still did pretty well now. But um, he didn't really 
have a good day of it, I have to admit. He, he just, things just didn't go right for him. Of course, we had a second um, sort of safety car when Sebastian Vettel spun uh, with power on out of turn four and hit a wall ending his weekend, um, which was unfortunate because he was driving very, very well. And of course, he's missed the two first two races due to COVID-19. Perhaps to a certain extent, you know, the, the, the first race of the season is always the best Mildly tentative, uh, tentative for a Formula One driver, which isn't very much. <laughs> but of course, uh, uh, as Sebastian himself said, you know, he came he, he came in late for school. So maybe his tentative race was, was, was the Australian weekend, whereas everybody else is up to speed and don't care really. But that, that, that's, the beautiful, that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just Formula One, but all, all sports is... Like you could turn around today and have a, have a bad race or play a bad game. And the next game or the next race, it could be brilliant. It's, um, I suppose, it's horses for courses. Like, you know, there is that. You know, if you have a poor, if you have a poor game this t- this week, or you have a poor race this week, or you perform badly in a race this week, you you have that chance next week to kind of correct the slate, as they say. Um, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it can kind of give you a bit of a kick too, can't it? You kind of dust yourself. You have to be able to get up. You know, get annoyed. Get a bit, and you know, annoyed with everything in general. Look at yourself, dust yourself off, and get back up again, and try and do better the next time. That's every sport, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, I think you know that that is that uh, mental strength plays a huge, huge part, a huge part in it. And I think you know that will be that 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 will be the way it'll be for you know the the Formula One season <laughs> could be down in the dumps and have a, a crap race this week and he could be brilliant the next week Max Verstappen could be on the top of his game for two or three weeks and then he could come fifth in another way in another race and I think it's it's you see the thing with I suppose Formula One as well is each track is different, and some tracks, like like we always say, some tracks suit better suit uh, certain drivers better than other tracks as well. And I'm not using that as an excuse. Oh no, I understand that driver doesn't do well, but it's 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 the way it is. It's it's same in the hurling match. Like some players play better on a wet day, some players prefer for a dry day, some players prefer. A mixture, you know, could do do well in any, you, you know, and it's the same in Formula One. That that is, uh, that's the way it is in sport, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. And uh, uh, I mean, race day itself, when you're talking about temperature, was up past forty degrees, and and, and I'm sure the drivers and the cars are feeling that as well as to say, you know, it was um, it was very difficult, but it was amazing. I have to admit, watching the front two drivers. I mean, it just absolutely hammer and tongs. Now, I th- I think on the day Leclerc definitely had the the edge. He did have the edge, not by much, but in Formula One, half a second is massive. Um, yeah. in a lap, you know, and he did have the edge, and unfortunately, you know. Lap 39 there, uh, uh, Charles Leclerc on 38 put in a, a purple lap, which is fastest. And then Max Verstappen, five seconds behind, responded in, t- in kind and kept on top of him, you know. So, I mean, everyone at that stage was saying, you know, the Ferrari pace, just how strong is it and how strong is Red Bull? But then the answer to that came quite quickly because Verstappen peeled off and turned two and 
uh, launched a steering wheel out, out of his car yeah. as the car actually slightly went on fire. Um, he had to point to one of the marshals. There, lad, there. You got to have to put out the car. Very, very, uh, you, you know, you'd think he'd be so angry he'd just storm off. But no, he stood back and there you are, lad, put it out there. I suppose it's like everything. The less damage you do to the car, there's less the lads have to do and less that's going to change in the car. The driver, the better too. Yeah, well, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, something, something I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't help notice about two drivers on, um, on the, uh, on the course themselves. Lap fifty four, Charles Leclerc asked, "Could he go for the fastest lap?" Which he already had. Um, I think he's so used to scrapping in his career for every single point to try and get into fifth place to get an extra point. I think it's kind of sat with him and and he doesn't know any better and he can't get that out of his head. But to be honest with you, that's exactly the way to be thinking. You know, it's, it's a sign of a good driver. But what I was rather shocked at was Hamilton. I mean, you know, he made a couple of remarks which kind of made me think during along the way, kind of scratching my head going, uh, you know, are we watching what's going on here? Uh, is there an issue? I thought the Mercedes was about to break down. But on, on lap 54, he comes on the radio. And I mean, you know, the radio is going to be broadcast. Every Formula One, cover, anyone covering it is going to hear it. And his answer, the thing he said is, you guys put me in a very difficult position. Now, I don't understand where that came from. I mean, Russell was blessed and he got a stop under a safety car. Hamilton didn't. Safety cars aren't exactly guaranteed. You know, you're not going to get others. Oh, Let's go back to what I said earlier on, where, like, when a race goes, one can blame the other for something that's going wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a world-class driver. So, I mean, to blame such and such for to blame such a person or to blame the, the, the team as a whole because he's not doing well in a race. That's kind of a cop out. I mean look, I I'm not being so yeah, you know, but, but I mean, I'm not just saying that for about. I'm not just saying that about Lewis because Lewis Hamilton, like, because he is a class driver, but um, you know, he is known sometimes to do that, and I, like you would, I would like to see him doing well this season. But I mean, it's the same with any driver, or you know, any any Formula One driver, isn't it? It can happen. Oh, absolutely, but it, it's just I was kind of I was a little disappointed. You know, I mean, you guys put me in a really difficult position how did you put him in a difficult position he was running in fourth i mean you know that's actually quite good considering the two red bulls and the two mercedes okay one red or ferraris one red bull and one ferrari were at the race but you know that was positive that was a positive situation it was kind of god lads we're not doing too bad here um, I'm not sure he was happy. I don't think he was the least bit pleased that his teammate was in front of him. And Russell was able to fend him off and started pulling away slowly. But I mean, you know, Russell's another class act and he's a younger guy and he's, he, he's trying to make a name for himself, you know, uh, trying to see what he can do. I mean, it's a team effort, third and fourth for a car that's, you know, problematic, and you know, I think that's that that that's a good position to be in, and I think you know he should have been happy. Look, it, it's probably just frustration. I mean, he's he's used to being winning. He's used to having the best car. He's used to being able to do this, that, and the other, and and he did come off 
a very disappointing season last year. He did. There was a lot of messing around with the FIA. Everybody was confused. No one knew what was going on. And, you know, you're coming into this year with a new car, tracks that have been modified. I'm sure it's exceptionally, exceptionally frustrating. And this, this new side pod that Mercedes have, and they're going around boasting to everyone that this is going to make the difference to their car, and it's not. You Don't know. get me wrong. It's it's fair enough that he got frustrated, but it's kind of something that would I would have imagined that he should have said to the team in private, as opposed to doing it the way he did, like you said on the radio, where all all the all the channels that were broadcasting and could hear, and you know all the listeners or all the all the viewers could hear. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it, it's not anyone's fault. George Russell was ahead. He just got lucky. Yeah. He was coming in exactly as the safety car came out. He just got lucky. Hamilton would have been in front of him otherwise. And no one for one second doubts that. He's a great driver. He is a class act. It was just probably, look, it was just probably frustration building in. And they all get that. Max can give out times too. Not normally about the team in fairness to him. Uh, normally about older drivers. <laughs> but well, like, it has to be said about Lewis as well. He, he doesn't do it that often. But when no, he does do really. it, it's very, very, it's very, it's very public as opposed to kind of taking it aside and saying it in person as opposed to broadcasting it. Do you, do you know what I mean? There are certain yeah. things that, yeah. like, you know, that you can say in, uh, you know, live or whatever during a race or whatever that everyone can hear. But for something like that, maybe it would have been better just to kind of keep it among the team, you know, and not make it public. But I think so too. And uh, and to be honest with you, you know, a lot of people said it's frustration. The drivers yeah. are just venting frustration. But, you know, these guys are able to make split-second decisions at 300 kilometres per hour and it not phase them. So, I mean, you know... They should have a little bit of a filter when they're racing. I don't mind if they want to argue away after the fact. But, you know, in a way, saying something like that is just annoying himself, too. You know, you don't need to be doing that. He's a great driver. You know, you don't need to be annoying yourself. Look, he was just he was just unlucky that his teammate got a bit of luck and he didn't. You know, he did a great job to get forward. You know, it's. It was grand, but I mean, I suppose it, it's it's like everything when you when you're used to winning, you're watching like Ferrari and Charles Leclerc cruising home to victory, with a margin more than twenty seconds and the fastest lap to go with that, and he's led every lap in the entire race. I, I, I suppose it is it, it is a bit a bit unfortunate, and Perez in second, and then uh, Russell in third, and Hamilton. Um, cursing his luck, I suppose, is 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 a nice way to put it. Um, you know, because that's what he was doing. He wasn't. He didn't mean anything by it. I don't think. I think he was only just. Ah, look, lads, it's been a bad day, and it wasn't yeah. really. But you know, these things will happen, as to say. You know yourself <laughs> after the race. Actually, I, I, I was, I was laughing because uh, I was watching it, and you know, Charles Leclerc said it, it was the first race that they could actually control the gap. Uh, which helped him extend his championship lead uh, in Australia. But it was Leclerc himself and the car and Sainz who claimed that, that the track wouldn't suit their car and didn't expect to win. So that was unusual, you know. Um, Max's opinion on what happened was was probably important as well. I mean, he claimed his, his first ever front row at Albert Park. He'd never done that before, you know. And... Um, and you know he was he was there in second. His Red Bull teammate in third. 
you know, I'm sure he thought, look, I'd like first, but job done. Now, he wasn't satisfied. Um, he, he said there was balance issues in the car that hampered him behind the wheel. And, you know, to a certain extent, I can understand that. I mean, uh, at, at the first round of pit stops, he, he flat or sorry, not the pit stops, the, the first safety car. He was on top of Leclerc and he just flat spotted his tire and he just wasn't as fast after that. Something as simple yeah. as that can 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 just bring it down a bit. And he visibly looked less comfortable than the, than the Ferrari drivers, I have to admit. Yeah. Um, around the track, which I was surprised at. And, uh, you know, OK, he retired from the second Grand Prix, but, but he had the wherewithal to stand up there. And tell the marshal where to point his um, his fire extinguisher, you know. But yeah. I suppose he was expecting a, a, a an easy P two, and you know he actually said to um, the team afterwards, which was overheard, unfortunately. You know, uh, if you want to fight for the title, these things just can't happen. <laughs> He's absolutely right, you know. Um, well, I suppose the, the other side of that, though, Mike, as well, is if you want to win the championship, it's it's like. It's like a goalkeeper, and I'm speaking from personal experience, Michael. If you make a mistake, you have to forget about it, and you have to move on. Yeah, you might have let in the goal, you might have, because you made a mistake. But if you let that play on your mind, you're going to let in more goals. Whereas if you focus on the rest of the game, and you say, right, that's not going to happen, I need to do this, this, or this. Yeah. You know, to, you kind of have to do that as well. You have to kind of move on from that mistake. Yes, you do, of course. And uh, again, you know, the car breaking down wasn't his fault. It was just reliability yeah. issues. That could be the slightest, slightest, slightest little thing, you know, that yeah. didn't go wrong and has gone wrong. And I mean, you know, P2 is not to be sneezed at. I don't think so yeah. anyway. <laughs> you know, I don't think it is. He could have got P2 in the race, which would have been great. But I mean, you know... You know, what can you do, really? Uh, not very much about it. You just have to keep moving forwards with it. Uh, yeah. You know, and I mean, he's not, okay, championship-wise, he's broken down twice. That's not really good. But but if you look at it, you know, Charles Leclerc has a very commanding lead, 71 to George Russell in 37. Fair play to George Russell. It was great to see him on the podium. He's a really nice guy. Um, you, you really feel good for him being there, you know, you really do. And he was so happy. Um, it was amazing. And now we seconded the championship. Um, then you've the second Ferrari, the Red Bull of Perez. Then you've Hamilton and then Max Verstappen. Three points off Hamilton. It's nothing at all. I mean, you know, if the reliability isn't an issue, you know, Russell's in second, that'll change the next race. Uh, Science is only four points behind him. And Verstappen is three points behind Hamilton. That'll be rectified too if that car don't break down. You know, well, the only thing about the drivers at the, at this stage is there's no need to really kind of worry about like how how things are going to go for the end of the season because I mean it's so early in the season. There's a lot of points to be fought for. So if a play, if one of the drivers doesn't do well in one or doesn't get the the points he wants to get or the team wanted in this race. I mean, it's a long season to make those... The the season is long enough still that they can make those points back and kind of get back into contention, you know? Absolutely. The only... I mean, if if you're looking at Russell to Ocon, second to seventh, you know, there's only 17 points in it, lads, and it's the third race. There's a long way to go um, 
before anything happens on that. Okay, Charles de Clare has gone off like a rocket with a, a, a 34-point lead over second place, which is huge um, at this point. And it's going to be hard to catch that. But I mean, you know, if you're Max Verstappen in sixth place, <laughs> you know, second is not that far away. You know, if you're if you're in second place for two races, you're practically there. And George Russell is, uh, I mean, really, he is out of place it's in second place. He's, he's, he's done well. He's been consistent. I, I couldn't be happier for him getting third, to be quite honest with you. Um, but he's out of place at the moment. And I mean, you know, the Red Bulls and the Ferraris will go by him. So there is only a time. I, I'm sure Toto Wolff was, was was very happy to even Melbourne because he thought he was in a in a better state than they arrived. But really, it was the two the two breakdowns. I mean, Sainz even going back to 14th, he wouldn't have finished there. He'd have been in fourth by the time that race had finished, I can tell you, especially with the sort of speed that Charles Leclerc was putting in. And, you know, he was taking it easy and he was over 20 seconds ahead. I'm sure he could have. Um, but, I mean, the current points situation, yes, there's so many races to go. It isn't going to la- It isn't going to end up like that. Um, out of the drivers, I think Charles Leclerc may have it this year unless he starts breaking down. But um, for Mercedes, George Russell in second, I think he needs to not concentrate on second place, really. He needs to be blinkering himself off that. I mean, Carlos Sainz isn't going to beat Charles Leclerc's teammate. Um, Perez may be ahead of Verstappen, but he ain't going to beat him, let's face it. Um, George Russell really... Uh, you know, if he wants to stay ahead this year, he's going to have to stay ahead of Hamilton at all costs, and that is not going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because not I mean, the least you know, yeah. it's going to be crazy. <laughs> that's it. And I suppose uh, moving on now to uh, to the next race. Ah, uh, yes, we have Italy in two weeks' time. Um, we will have we can to go talk a bit more uh, in, in two weeks' time, but just kind of like a, a brief kind of uh, outline for, for now, anyway. <laughs> I absolutely love Italy. I love Monza. I've been there. It's an incredible race. Now, it's curious because, again, Red Bull were hoping for two in a row because, again, Monza is a very fast track, uh, very fast. It used to be the fastest track on the circuit. It isn't now because of, um, of course, Australia after being heavily changed. Um, it's an exceptionally fast track. Now, to put the two together, I suppose, it's only got one DRS zone, but it's got a hell of a lot of corners that they don't see as corners. Now, Lewis Hamilton does have the lap record there. I can't see that happening in two weeks. I know they're trying their best to improve the car, but really, it's not going to happen that quickly. It just isn't. It doesn't. If you could turn around the car from, from like fifth to first in one race, there's, there's, you, you've done something that maybe should be looked at by Marshalls. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it ain't going to happen. But it is, it's, it's, Monza is a real thrill ride, I have to admit. It, it, it's great to be there providing you're in the right position, but most of the track is just a blur. If you're there, you're not going to see much, really. If you can get to turn one, you're, you're, you're absolutely laughing. Um, Pierre Gasly uh, called the experience of driving around Monza as one of the best he'd ever have in Formula One car. He said it's absolutely amazing going around some of the corners, how, how flat they're able to go down to it. And there, there is so many areas where it's so, so quick. It, it, it is an anti-clockwise circuit, which most of them are, but it does have a very old school feel. 
um, when the drivers are driving around it compared to some of the newer tracks, which is nice. But I mean, you're you're getting into Europe now. You're going to get the old school tracks. You're going to get the the twisty, windy tracks. Italy isn't one of them, but but that's what you're in for. The Italian Grand Prix is always amazing. It really is. Now, if whoever's on pole in all likelihood's probably going to stick there. But anybody else now is up for grabs, uh, you know, and we, we'll do a bit of prediction next week. <laughs> Interesting, yes. So that's uh, that's something for the listeners to, to look forward to next week. So listen, thanks very much for doing uh, Formula One View with myself, Aidan Raftery, and of course the viewers will look forward to next week. So we'll talk to you then. No problems, but pleasure as always, Aidan. No problem, thanks very much. And that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. Hello, and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and the show's as always kindly sponsored by Best Drive, and we'd like to thank Best Drive for their kind sponsorship of the show, and it's uh, it's vital for the running of the station, and indeed this uh, this show. So yes, we're we've uh, we're sl- we're coming closer to the end of the show. We'd like to thank everyone for for tuning in but uh just like to say you know if you're if you're enjoying to for to everyone have a great easter weekend and uh you know if you're going to any of the easter parades uh enjoy them but don't forget there's a there's a wide range of local sports uh going on uh around roscommon so why not support them obviously you have a lot going on in craig's rugby club you know there's uh, a lot of underage games going on and uh Blitzes. So, if you want to see the future of rugby uh, locally, why not uh, go along there? Obviously, there's uh, many games in the Roscommon and District League, including uh, ourselves. As you know, I'm involved with the um, with Manor, Ballinacar Manor, and uh, we have a shield game against ba- uh, Sky Valley Rovers B in uh, in Ballinagar on Sunday. That has a two p.m. a two p.m. kickoff. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the Roscommon under twenties only just lost out uh, on. Wednesday there in the Connacht Under-20 uh, Championship semi-final. Uh, very unlucky, of course. We know how successful they were last year. Uh, they were they were represented Ireland. Uh, they represented Roscommon very well, and everyone in Roscommon was very proud of them. But this is a very good Sligo team as well. Um, I'm sure it was bolstered by uh, a few of the lads from a few of the players from uh, last year's minor squad. Um, they're always very good at underage. And you can never underestimate them, but uh, Roscommon were only just uh, only just defeated by a point, um, so it means they're out uh, for this season. But no doubt about it, we'll uh, we, we'll see them. You know, they'll they'll be back in the in the mix again next year, and uh, you know they'll be uh, they, they'll do well again. So unlucky to uh, the Roscommon in their twenties. So um, and don't forget that the, the uh, Roscommon senior hurlers are doing really well. They had a, a very convincing win. Um, over Armagh, reversing the reversing last reversing the league fixture where uh, Roscommon were beaten by Armagh earlier in the league. Um, they reversed that uh, at the weekend. Um, they bet uh, the the bet Armagh, so that's a good start in the Racker Cup. Um, so hopefully they can continue on with that. And uh, as I said, there's plenty of uh, excitement going on in the Roscommon and District League. Plenty of matches going on all over the county, so you can. Go along to them. Of course, uh, Castlery Celtic doing very well as well. Our Castlery, um, Castlery Kings in in basketball doing very well. They made the last four, so well to, done to them. Both their men's and their ladies' team made made the last four, uh, the last four semi finals. So well done to them, and we wish them and the best the best of luck in the weeks to come. Um, they've had a, a 
tough season now so let's hope they do, they do well in their respective semi-finals and we'd like to, to wish them all the best and of course they're, they're sponsors and, and all that as well because um, it's, it's uh, vi- sponsorship is so vital uh, in the running of anything be it a sporting organisation or we say like Ross FM as well so um, you know so we, we, we do appreciate here uh, we must say uh, y- your support out there for uh, tuning in and listening to uh, listening to all the shows and don't forget on that if you're big into sport um, there's uh, Friday Sport um, social media pages but there's a Facebook page and Twitter page and indeed Instagram page so if you want to keep up to date with the latest sport you'll find plenty of sport sport on that so why not and don't forget as I said at the start of the programme we also have um, All-Ireland GA memories every Thursday at 10am so if you're a big fan um, and you like looking a trip down memory lane why not tune into that every Thursday and uh, it's a very enjoyable doing it as well um, so why, why not uh, tune in there so um, yeah and don't forget the Ireland uh, or the Roscommon under 20s are, do, are, are out as well they're doing very well and um, they're out against uh, Mayo in the next round so uh, you know